0: Good morning, everyone. If you haven't met me, my name's Stuart Starr. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, I have the great pleasure of uh, preaching on what's just been read to you. Uh, it's uh, an absolutely fabulous bit of the Bible. And uh, as Matt said at the start, if this isn't true, everything's different. I think it is, and we're going to see why that's really, really good news uh, for us this morning. Uh, let me pray, and, uh, and we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word that was passed on really carefully for the last 2,000 years. We thank you, Father, for a chance to hear it and pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us not just to hear it in our ears, but to be changed in our hearts. And we ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Alrighty, well, uh, I'm I'm always a big fan of a good story. Anyone like a good story? Love, Love a good story. Uh, I think the best thing about stories, there are some stories that are made up and there are some stories that are true. Uh, True stories ring true. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Uh, They kind of have an air of authenticity about them uh, that you can hear when you listen to it. You go, that makes sense. That checks out. That sounds like the sort of world that I live in. True stories ring true. Now, we've had an interesting week. Uh, I wonder if this story rung true for you anyone picking up what we're talking about here? Uh, so there was a story uh, that you might have picked up during the week uh, that, um, uh, you know, our premier at the time uh, was given a bottle of wine. Did you hear about this? Didn't hear about it. Some of you are nodding your heads. All right. And, and he said that this bottle of wine, uh, which was worth how much money? Does anyone remember? Look at you guys. You've got the story already. Yeah? Okay. So uh, was worth $3,000. Now, there was something distinctive about this bottle of wine. Does anyone remember? Apart from the fact that it was worth $3,000. 1959. Why was that important? It was the year of his birthday. Okay. So, and it was given to him by somebody whose name I can't pronounce. What's his name? Yeah, that's good. Okay, we'll go with that, Lee. Thanks, thanks mate. That's good. So it was given to him by an outside person. Uh, And as a premier, that was probably a pretty big deal. But when push came to shove, uh, he said he was away on holidays and that he hadn't received it and that he had no recollection of it. And uh, I thought when I heard that, uh, I actually thought, well, maybe that's possible. Uh, Maybe that's possible. Uh, I go on holidays, I have a terrible memory. Uh, It's at least possible that that might've happened. Uh, But then what happened? Uh, There was a receipt produced to say that it was delivered. And then the final thing was what? A thank you note in his own handwriting to the guy who gave it to him saying thank you very much for it. A little bit of a problem at that point. Now, uh, I don't know what you thought when you were hearing that story for the first time, particularly the defence of it. Uh, I thought it sounded okay, but facts prove that that wasn't the case. The thing about true stories is they ring true. And this was a story that demanded a response, wasn't it? It demanded a response. I'm actually not convinced that if he'd said, yeah, I got a bottle of wine, that there would have been too much of a problem. But because he said it wasn't true, but it was, a response was demanded. We're going to look at the story of Jesus' day, and I'm going to say this is a story that, if true, demands a response from us. And so as we get to the end of this little talk I'm going to give today, I'm going to ask you to consider making a response to what you've heard. Okay, so I'm just setting that up for you early so you know where we're going. All right, I want you to think about this story that Matt's just read for us and and Bernie as well and think to yourself, does it ring true? Does it sound like the sort of story that real people were engaged with? The first thing I want to suggest to you is that it's a story about real grief, a story about real grief and some of you will have been touched by grief in a profound way and I think if you've known real grief you'll know that uh, it happens much more here than it happens up here, in the early stages at least, do you know what I'm saying? Um, It's much more about what we're feeling than necessarily what we're thinking. The thinking comes, but it comes later. We're often driven by our hearts much more than our heads. And I think that's exactly what we see in this story here. Have a look with me. If you've got the Bible, open it up uh, to uh, Luke 24. It says this. On the first day of the week, Luke 24 and verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now, the first thing to note is uh, these women got up very early, on the first day that they could do something, hearts absolutely in the right place. They take with them spices to anoint Jesus' body. They want to look after a dead body. But we can tell how much they're dominated by their hearts and not their heads, because what's the likelihood of them being able to get into the tomb? It's extremely low. The whole idea about why you roll a stone, you know, famously the big stone why you roll a stone across the front of a grave is what it keeps leaving people out and dead people in yeah that's what it's about it's supposed to be big enough that you can't just roll it back because if you could it'd be just like the door into the toilets over there and you'd open and close it as ready as you want and nobody wants that to happen in a grave do they So it was a significant stone. It was big enough that it wasn't going to be easy to come and go. And yet these women, filled with hearts, full of grief, went to the tomb expecting I don't know what. Can you see how it rings true that they had real grief and that they had no expectation, incidentally, that anything would change? What did they take to the tomb? They didn't take a little basket of first aid supplies and a flask of coffee. They took spices to anoint a dead body. I want to suggest to you there's embarrassingly real surprise in this story. Embarrassingly real. Have a a look with me a little bit further down uh, at verse 11. So the women went to the tomb and they, uh, they found that the tomb was empty. They found a message from messengers there who said, He's risen, he's not here. And they went, "Wow, this is extraordinary. We're going to go back and tell who, the disciples, Jesus' friends. Now, in this room, in this room, are gathered all the leaders of the early church. But there's no early church yet, because Jesus has just died on the cross. But if you're going to be a leader in the early church, basically you would have been in that room. So here, how the leaders of the early church responded to the message. Have a look with me uh, at verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Let me just ask you, do you think there was a rousing hurrah when they came back and said that the tomb was empty? In fact, it says the opposite, doesn't it? It records in the Bible that the leaders of the early church, when told about the resurrection of Jesus by the women who'd been to the tomb, said, That's ridiculous. You women are off your tree. That can't be true. Now, we know that they get it all sorted out later, don't we? We know the rest of the story. But here's the thing. The Bible records that it wasn't a faithful response at first. And if I'm making up this story later, and I'm one of the leaders of the early church, do you know what? I'm getting the liquid paper out at this point, aren't you? Oh, incidentally, does anyone remember liquid paper? It was a bit of a daggy reference, wasn't it? Anyway, but the idea that you just kind of rub it out. Please don't record that we weren't full of joy and expectation when you returned. Their response is, We don't believe you, you're crazy women. That sounds real because if it was fake, I'd have deleted it. You with me? All right, there were real doubts. There were real doubts in this story, too. You know, one of the people who had the most to lose at Easter was a guy called Peter. Have you heard of him? One of Jesus' disciples. Now, it it happened when Jesus was arrested, Jesus had asked his disciples to pray for him. And what had they done? Does anyone know? They'd all fallen asleep. Now, that was a bad strike against their name. But when the the guards turned up to arrest Jesus, what did they heroically do? Shot through, someone said. Yeah, that's right. They ran. They ran away. They left Jesus and saved their own skins. Instantly, that's pretty embarrassing as well, isn't it? All right, so, so, so here's Peter. Peter then showed some bravery and he went to the place where Jesus had been arrested and he kind of hung, hangs around outside, warming his hands on the fire, watching while Jesus is being tried. And a servant girl. We, we can't imagine how low this person is in society. A servant girl. A vacuum cleaner walks up to him. You know, it's, it's a, an appliance. It's, it, they're not... A servant girl walks up to him and says, hey, aren't you with Jesus? And he says, oh yeah, of course I was. He doesn't say that at all. He says, no. Nope. She asks him a second time, hey, hey I, I, think, um, I think I saw you with Jesus. You're one of those Galileans, aren't you? And he said, no. Nope. The third time he gets asked if he was with Jesus, he calls down curses on himself and says, I never knew the man. How do you think Jesus feels? Betrayed again. How do you think Peter feels when Jesus looks at him and he remembers the words that he said, before the cock crows, you'll disown me three times. I reckon Peter would have been shot to the heart. So Peter hears this crazy report that the women say the tomb is empty. If anyone has a vested interest in the fact that Jesus might be alive, it's who? Peter. So here's what it says. Uh, We're at verse 12. It says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. I love it. Peter's so impulsive. Oh, I'm going to go and check it out. So he gets up. He runs to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, again, I just want you to see, Peter didn't go, hey, I'm going to join the ladies. The ladies have said Jesus has risen. I've been to the empty tomb, Jesus is risen. doesn't say that. It says he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. He has doubts even then, I think. He doesn't know that Jesus is risen. He has real doubts. That's pretty encouraging, I think, given that he went to the empty tomb. But he could draw the only conclusion that an empty tomb can tell you. The body isn't there. That was all he could know at that point in time. The Bible doesn't leave us there, though. It shows us real proof that Jesus is alive. Have a look a little bit later on uh, in the story. Uh, we'll go down to verse 39. Uh, we heard the story that um, Bernie read about Jesus meeting the people on the road to Emmaus. Did you hear that? They are walking along and Jesus... But then they come back and uh, in verse 39... Oh, I'll go from verse 37, actually. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why did doubts rise in your minds? Incidentally, what's the answer to that? Um, Because we're looking at a dead person standing in the room? It's a good answer, isn't it? Anyway, Jesus says, why did doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Jesus actually welcomes their doubts. He says, if you don't believe, don't just stand in the corner. Get over here. He offers his flesh and bones in the face of their doubts. He says, come and see, touch and see that I am real. I love that. Jesus could have said... Oh, you of little faith standing in the corner, if only you would believe more. Don't say that at all. Touch and see. Get your hands into me. I'm real. I am not a ghost. And again, I want you to to notice here, the disciples wondered if they saw a ghost. You with me? Again, it's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? But the best part about that for me is, what's the thing that people all tell you? Jesus wasn't really raised. They just had a vision, didn't they? They were deeply grieving people who thought that they saw an apparition of the one that they hoped would come back to life. Well, what does it say in the Bible? They thought they saw an apparition. Yeah, that's what it says in here. And their doubts met the risen body of Jesus. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That's real proof. And in fact, later on, uh, as Matt read for us, have a look at uh, verse 41. Uh, while, he did, uh, while they still did not believe it, again amusing, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? What? I'll tell you what a vision doesn't do. It doesn't ask what's in the pantry. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. It didn't fall through a vaporous apparition onto the floor. He consumed it. Isn't that brilliant? There's real proof in this story that Jesus was raised. And it's mixed in with all this embarrassing stuff. Jesus is raised. There's real hope in this story too. Beautiful, beautiful hope. Have a look uh, where it says this. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself... Appeared among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, I don't know uh, when the last time you spent uh, any significant time in grief was, but one of the things that you long for is peace. Peace. A quiet, still heart. Not to be overwhelmed. And the first words out of Jesus' mouth when he meets the disciples is, Peace. Peace be with you. I am able to offer you what you long for. Peace is on offer. And if there's peace on offer, that is absolutely brilliant because it's not just peace in my heart, it's actually peace with God. Have a look at uh, verse 46 when he tells them what they're supposed to do. He told them this is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. Why is that so exciting? Why does that matter? Because if we can be right with God, to have our sins forgiven by the God of the universe, then we can not just have peace in our hearts from grief, but peace in our hearts because there's no more guilt, no more condemnation. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, okay. Sounds pretty neat. But so what? Uh, has anyone here been rock climbing? I see that hand, Heidi. Yes? Yes. 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 Yeah. And on the back, hey, you guys have too. Great. Uh, when you go rock climbing, firstly, I think, you know, if I stand here and look at this image for long enough, promise you this will happen, I'll start getting sweaty hands. Anyone else has happened to? Anyway, I... I think rock climbers are amazing. I think they're incredible. But, but, but really, I mean, that's just, you know, come on. That's not really... You shouldn't go up walls like that. It's, but here, if, you, if you're a rock climber, um, say you're one of these awesome, amazing ladies here, like uh, this lady here or here. When you go rock climbing, you want someone who's really good to climb the lead for you. Okay? Because what they're doing is they're going up without the safety in front of them. Do you see that? So when you're going lead... Can, can you believe this crap, by the way, that this lady's going up here? Yeah, sure. Of course you can. Yeah, it's crazy. But she's going up, and as she goes up, she's putting little clams, uh, little uh, clamshell things in the, in the rock that are locking in, and then she's putting her rope through. Now, what happens if she falls? She'll fall down until the next thing locked in, right? Hopefully that won't be too far, and that's why you don't space them out too far, right? But if you're climbing up second and you fall... Well, you've got a thing above you, you see, so you don't fall as far. There's a lot more safety in going after the person who goes first, the person who can do the impossible thing of climbing when you don't have a rope in front of you. Now, why do I say all that? Well, I think one of the amazing things about the resurrection is this. It says this, by his power, it says this in 1 Corinthians 6, by his power, God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. First of all, good news, that's why we're there. Uh, he's risen. Okay, very good, that's right, you get get it. Uh, and it says, he will raise us also. Why does that matter? Someone has climbed the sheer face of death before you and I. Someone has climbed lead for us. Someone has gone before us in death and lived. When you and I die, if we're trusting Jesus, if we're on that rope attached to Jesus, we are following a path that he has traced out before us. Isn't that brilliant? You will live because he lived. God will raise you and I physically up after we've died that we might live forever and Jesus has gone before us. I said this at the convention on, uh, on Friday, but... We talk about those who walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus walked through that valley, came out the other side, and is turning back, offering a hand to you and I. Why does the resurrection matter? Well, I'll tell you why. Here's the thing. Uh, this is, uh, I was at a um, conference the other day, and when I went and parked, there was a graveyard next to it. And in the graveyard, uh, this was uh, this was what I saw. Uh, that's someone's grave. Someone who had friends and family. Someone who had friends and family with enough resources to put up a big cross thing like that. It's so old that when I went to go and see what the inscription was to even remember the name of the person, it was gone. Time had just eaten that away from the stone. And today, on clearly what was a clean-up day, there's a stack of palm branches resting up against the head. Now, here's the thing. None of us wants to think we're going to die. But we all want to think we'll be remembered at some point, right? I can't even know the name of this person that someone clearly loved and cared for. If we're just living for this life, even living to be remembered from what we do in this life, the sad reality is, one day, no one will know. No one will know. And so if you and I are living for hope in this life, this grave will wipe it all away. Why does the resurrection matter? Why is Sunday such great good good news at Easter? Because it says to us, death is not final. You will be remembered. You are loved. You are chosen. You are called by a God who not only went before us, but will raise us up. There's hope beyond the grave. Hope beyond the grave. That's good news. That is good news. Hey, uh, can anyone tell where that is? anyone call it out? Dan Cleary, Gl- yep, oh, yep. I, that's absolutely right, Dan Cleary Drive it is. So that's Dan Cleary Drive. Now, I'm a cyclist, uh, and I've got to tell you, that is the most appalling bit of road around here. It is a terrible road. Uh, not only is there no shoulder on it, but it's pockmarked all over the place, it has potholes, it it's, it's been patched, And then the patches have got little holes in them. And then the holes in the patches in the holes have been patched. It's just, it's a disaster of a road. Do you know one of the things I love about being in Oran Park? Have a look at this. (laughs) I mean, I've got to tell you, I am a sucker for good roads. They are just beautiful. And the wonderful thing is here, right, the earth gets all churned up. And they have one of those machines that kind of flattens it out. You know, the machine that eats the road and then spits it out the back. And then, and then there's another machine that kind of just lays it all down. And a nice, beautiful road comes out the back of it. I, I love this. Now, the reason I love beautiful roads so much is because it helps me go faster, so that's good. But what I love is there's no blemishes. Everything is brand new and fresh. And the other day, they came around and did the second stage. Do you live in Oran Park? If you live in Oran Park, you know how our roads at the moment are kind of about this far down from the gutters? Have you noticed this? If you haven't, don't, don't worry. They're about this far down. And the reason is, after all the construction has gone on, they come along and lay that final layer over the top and bring the, bring the road up to perfect. And then, muah, it's just magnificent because all, all of that marks and whatever are completely covered over and you get this smooth, beautiful, fresh start. Why do I love that? I'll tell your wife. We were therefore buried with him, it says in Romans 6, through baptism, into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. A new life. Hey, someone should call a church that, hey. Why why is that so exciting? I tell you why. Because you have made mistakes. I have made mistakes. The road of my life has been marked with potholes and U-turns and scrapes and bumps and it's it's a mess. And at the cross where Jesus pays, for our, pays the price for our sin and at the empty tomb where he's raised to give us a fresh start, you and I have a chance to lay a new future, something brand new, something not old or destroyed or broken. God offers us in Jesus a fresh start. That is a profoundly beautiful thing. Why does the resurrection get me excited on Easter Sunday? Because it tells me, the empty tomb tells me there can be a fresh start, a fresh start with God. Uh, A while ago, I foolishly left my iPod in the car. Now, does anyone remember iPods? Yeah, okay, that's good. I I, I had an iPod, beautiful iPod, and... um, I left it in the car. Now, firstly, I never left it in the car. Never, ever. And secondly, I found that I'd left it in the car and I'd left the door unlocked. Crazy. That combination of things just never happened. And my iPod was stolen. And I was heartbroken. Oh, sadness for me. Have a look at this car here. I I had a laptop taken as well uh, from my car many years ago. Uh, And in that one, what they did was they, they smashed the whole window of the car in. I thought, well, at least you've worked hard for that. Uh, that's good. If you look at this window here, what shape thing do you reckon made that hole? Golf club, rock. What shape roughly was it? Round. round. Okay, good, good. It's round. If it had been a brick, well, it probably would have taken the whole window out, but it might have left a nice little square hole, right? But I'm guessing whatever did that was round. The impact is shaped the same size as the thing that left the hole. All right. It says in Acts uh, that they're preaching about the fact that Jesus is alive. It says this, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. And you go, okay, good. What's it got to do with broken windows and cars? Here we go. Where did they say that? Where did the early church proclaim that Jesus was risen? Jesus had died. Do you know where he died? What city did he die in? Call it out. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. He died in Jerusalem. Now, there's a group of people who started saying, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Where would you go to tell a story like that? Well, if it wasn't true, I tell you where I'd start a long way away from where he died. Are you with me? If I'm going to tell a story that's not true about the fact that Jesus has been raised to life, I'm not going to start in Jerusalem because in Jerusalem, what will they do if he's still dead? They'll just go, well, prove it. And they'll go, oh, what tomb was he laid in? Joseph of Arimathea, good. Good. Well, we're just going to wander over to Joseph's tomb, which is 400 metres up the road, and we'll have a sticky beak in, and we'll see if Jesus is there. And if there's a stinky body in there, guess what? It's a lie. Are you with me? So if you're going to preach resurrection in Jerusalem, you'd better be sure that there isn't a stinky body anywhere nearby. You with me? So the early disciples preached Jesus' resurrection in Jerusalem. Ah, so you say, well, no, that's okay. They took the body and they hid it somewhere. Yeah? There was an empty tomb, but they took it. Well, possible. But did you know this? Of the 12 people who were the followers of Jesus, well, we know what happened to Judas, don't we? He he dropped off the twig in an unfortunate way. He died. So there's 11 left, and they added one more, so there was a new 12. Of those 12, do you know how many people of that 12 proclaimed that Jesus was risen? All of them. Do you know what happened to those 12? Well, apart from one who died in jail proclaiming that Jesus was risen, 11 out of 11 were killed saying that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, if I'm a liar, and I just wanted a bit of power, and I stuck Jesus' body somewhere, I tell you what I'm not going to do. I am not going to die for a lie, because that doesn't ring true. Are you with me? More than that, if everything had started to go pear-shaped, I tell you what I'd have gone, I would have gone to the place where I had buried Jesus, and I would have started worshipping him there. I would have set up a little shrine. Yes? Because if I knew that's where Jesus' bones were, I would have just gone to be with my Saviour. There's no shrine. There's an empty tomb and a witness in Jerusalem that Jesus has raised. That's pretty awesome. History has a hole. Remember about my window that had the hole in it? History has a hole in it. And the shape of that hole is Resurrection. Because the message spread from Jerusalem all over the world so far that in Australia, people will meet 2,000 years after the resurrection of this guy to keep talking about it. That's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? That's a pretty big hole. And the shape is resurrection. Hey, I want to tell you about uh, uh, some magic I've discovered recently. I can go into shops. I don't know if you know this. I can go into shops. I can pick whatever I want. Okay. I can get this card... I don't even really have to talk to people anymore. I can get this card and I just touch it on the thing. I don't even use a pin code anymore. I touch this on the machine and I can walk out with the goods. Have you seen this happen? It's magic. Somebody thinks that because I've touched this little bit of plastic there, right, some money's transferred magically in space. Isn't that extraordinary? And they let me walk out. Tell you why. Tell you why I like, I like getting a receipt, Because I don't believe in all this magic all the time. And every now and again, it's nice to have a bit of paper to say it happened. You with me? All right. Have a listen to this. It says in the Bible, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. We say Jesus died for our sins. And you go, where are my sins? I haven't got a written record of them, although you might have. I don't have a record of mine. Tell you where my sins record resides. It's in heaven, isn't it? God the Father knows what I've done. How do I know when it's been wiped out? I don't know. I can't see it. Here's the thing I can see. I can see the resurrection of Jesus that says on the cross, sin's price was paid and a man called Jesus lived. After that price had been paid, he is, in his resurrection, the receipt of sin's payment. You with me? He's the visible thing of the invisible transaction that went on up there. He is the assurance of sin's debt paid. Friday is when we know it's done. Sunday is when I get the receipt. You with me? Awesome. Uh, I heard about a thing called uh, restless leg syndrome. Have you heard of this? Apparently, it's an irresistible kind of urge to keep moving because you've got an achy crawly kind of sensation in your legs and you just can't stop, you just have to keep moving them around all the time right? You just got to keep, I don't have it but so here's the thing Jesus says, while he was still talking about this, Jesus stood among them and said to them, peace be with you, I want to suggest to you this morning, whether you know it or not, that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a restless soul You have a restless soul. St. Augustine said that our souls are restless, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Until they find their rest in you. Jesus offers us peace with God to put our hearts at rest, to know our sins are paid, to know, as Matt read after our prayer of confession, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does resurrection matter? It says, peace with God is on offer. Rest for our souls. Real grief, it's met with the promise that death is not final. Real surprise, there can be a fresh start with God. Real doubts, history has a whole, the exact size and shape of the resurrection. Real proof, we have assurance in Jesus' resurrection that our sin's debt is paid. And then we have real hope. Peace with God is on offer. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So, okay, I said at the start, I was going to turn to you. I want to ask you, where are you up to with Jesus? Where are you up to with Jesus? It's not just enough to go, oh, that was quite interesting. Let's have a cup of tea. All right, that's not okay. What's on offer is so significant, we must respond. Hey, I, I love this. Uh, have a read of this billboard, will you? For those of you who can't read, here's what it says. It says, this year, thousands of men will die from stubbornness. It's pretty epic, isn't it? I love it. Now, now here's the next bit. You're going to love this. Ready? Someone has scrawled down the bottom in graffiti. No, we won't. <laughs> I love that. Well, this, this is a medical, uh, a medical thing uh, that's done in the US. And basically, it was a plea to men, stop being such stubborn gits and get yourself to the doctor and get healthy. Yeah? And that men die being stubborn. Oh, no, it's all right. It's just a flesh wound. You know? Well, I want to tell you today, your sin is not a flesh wound. It's serious. You can't keep putting it off. Today is a great day to get right with God. Don't die stubborn. Don't die stubborn. I want to ask where you are this morning with Jesus. Are you someone who's standing off in the distance going, one day I'll get around to this Jesus thing. And, and invariably, this is how we are, aren't we? I mean, some of you are doing it now. We, we have our arms crossed. We, now, look, it's a little bit chilly, so it's okay. Don't not judging you, all right? So, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The way, the way this works in practice, particularly for blokes, is, yeah, I see that that's a thing. And should it ever be bad enough, I guess I'll have it looked at. I want to tell you today, don't wait... Don't wait. It's good health advice anyway, isn't it? Fair go. Please go to the doctor. But but I want to tell you, don't wait. You do not know when your final day or hour will be. Don't be standing off wondering, one day I'll get round to Jesus. Don't do it. Maybe some of you are checking it out and you've come today and I'm delighted that you've come today. Keep doing it. Take the next step to find out a little bit more. Hey, I've got, I've got, I run this course called Jesus for the Curious. Now, you'd think to yourself, I will never... Look, I've done everything required of God for me today. In fact, probably this year. I've come to church, all right? you can't want anything else from me. And, and what I'm saying to you is, well, wouldn't it be interesting if you gave him four more weeks to work out if you had a cancer called sin that'll kill you? And if you could meet the doctor who'd deal with it. Four weeks, some very normal, ordinary Australians are sitting in this church today who did this with me. And they're still alive, aren't you guys? They are. Very good. I'm very pleased. They are. And we had a great time. And all I'd say to you is, check it out as an adult. Do Jesus the justice of looking at him as an adult. And I I promise you, I said this in the course last year, I said to them, listen, at the end of these four weeks, if you walk away rejecting Jesus, I will look you in the eye and say, that is okay. I will respect you because you took the time to check him out. No one's obligated to respond. But if you've never checked it out as an adult, I want to say, that's not good enough. Put four weeks in and see where you land. Some of you might be thinking, you know, I've actually heard enough. N- not I've heard enough, I'm leaving. But thank you for staying. Thank you. Thank you. Not, 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 but actually, you've said, actually, I, I get it. I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't thought about, I've put it together. I do want to be right with God today. I, I want to join in with what's going on. I want to get right with God. And so here's this wonderful verse from Romans. We're going to come into land. It says this, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You can be right with God today. And the way we do that isn't magic. It's really simple. There's a prayer I've got up on the screen here. I'm going to read it through out loud for you. I want you to think about it with me now. It says this, Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. If we can't be thankful as a start, it's very unlikely the rest will follow. My goodness, God, it costs you so much. And Matthew spoke about this so wonderfully the other day. It costs you so much to do that. Thank you. I'm sorry for my sin. I know that I've hurt you and others. I've hurt you, God. I've shaken my fist in your face. I've told you that you have no place in my life. I have hurt others. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please cancel debts code in heaven. Get rid of it. Please come into my life as king. Amen. Now, today is a great day to get saved. And so I'm going to pray this prayer one line at a time. I'm not going to ask anyone to stand up or put up their hands, but what I'm going to do is leave space. And what I would love you to do today, if today is the right day for you, is to pray this prayer with me in your heart. And if you mean it when you pray it, God will hear in heaven and forgive you. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I'm sorry for my sin. I know that I've hurt you and others. Please forgive me. Please come into my life as king. Amen.